At the Conservative Party conference, Rishi Sunak's wife came out before him and said lots of nice things about him. So would you like to say a few nice things about me before the podcast? The remained unsaid, you know it all already. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual organisation or entity. Now, Rishi Sunak's wife introduced him at the Conservative Party conference, but my friend Adam has no wife yet, so I will do that. The man, the legend, this is the brilliant Adam, ladies and gentlemen, and he's joining me to break the news with you today. Yes, I certainly am. To say that we've had the Conservative Party conference, I think it's been quite a busy week, although I have been working up until I got sacked. Break that news today with you, I'm afraid. Sad news. But yes, a few unprofessional comments that did slip out of my mouth, like saying that, oh, my shift might get cancelled, etc. And obviously... You said that to a customer, yeah. Yes, but that wasn't the one that led me to get my final sack. One was just about, oh, your day sounds better than mine. I'm not enjoying my job. I don't think I said I'm not enjoying my job, but I'm just at work, etc. So your day sounds better, so... Yeah, but like I said, words just slip out of my mouth and, yeah, they clearly don't like that. Well, as usual, Adam, I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself mm. there. You know, Instead of putting, thinking of it as being sacked, think of it as it didn't fit you, you're moving on to a better well, stage true. of your life. I can definitely agree that it didn't <laughs> fit me. And, and as for those unprofessional comments, I've heard people say a lot worse. So, And I could also say, well, the company's been unprofessional by cancelling people as well. And breaking GDPR. Well, I better not comment on that. that. Like I say, yes, they do break GDPR, so I will be writing a review once I get another job. Because, yes, I think it is quite serious. But for you, I think it's a good idea to move on to bigger and better things, and I'm really excited to hear about it. I mean, you set a new record at your park run today, didn't you? Yes, at my local one at Harton Park. I beat my other PB by three seconds, and I ended up getting 19.59 at Harton Park run. So got it under 20 by a second. It's the best time that I've got there, obviously. I've got... Better times at Lister, at Roberts and at Brighouse. But it is literally the best time that I got there. So So that's two sub-20 minute 5Ks you've run in two weeks. Yes, it is. That's pretty impressive. Yes, it is. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because like last week I got 19.49, I think. And this week I got 19.59. So yeah, I got two under 20 in two weeks in a row. So the week does bring its successes. It does. You've got to look at the positives. Negative week. I still seem to be doing very well at my running. So even so, plenty of people out there better. So unfortunately, I can't forge a career out of running. But yeah, that won't get me anywhere. But I love it to be because I quite enjoy running. Just a shame that I couldn't be about six minutes faster. Coaching or something like that, maybe? I'm not an expert at running, but I guess the coaches need to be good themselves, don't they? So to keep up with them, which I wouldn't be able to keep up with. I don't know. The times you're getting in part runs, I definitely put you in the top 1% of the 
country. Well, I might be in the top one percent of the country, but like I said, there's people that have done them in twelves and thirteen minutes before. Uh, well, not pack runs in twelve thirteens, thirteens for pack runs. But world records have for five k have been set in the twelve minute marks. Yeah, so. but I suppose that's your top not point not 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 one percent, isn't <laughs> it? <true. laughs> But like I say, say for example, most people don't even try running. So if most people just went out for a run and they're not fit, I'd probably beat them anyway. So probably I'm in the top 1%, maybe, or top 2% or whatever. I must admit, I'm a bit frightened to go out for a run now because I think I'd just be so unfit. But I need to put on my big boy pants and have a go. Uh, you'd get faster once you did it. You'd probably find that you'd lose weight and you'd gradually get faster. So. Yeah, I need to... I'm going to start my swimming again, I think, and, and keep up my walking. I'm still doing a good walk every week, but I need to start running as well, get my confidence back with that. Yeah, I agree. And good luck with it. Like I said, you did some swimming, but now it's probably getting a little bit cold for your swimming, isn't it? Well, the outdoor swimming gets getting a bit cold for, but there's still plenty of opportunities for indoor swimming, living right near the Sedberg Centre. I am still hoping to do an outdoor swim at least one a month, so I need to get one under my belt for October. I'm looking at a couple of spots to go swimming this month. Yeah. Do you think in 2024, do you think you'll be able to do a pack from one week? Oh, <laughs> ask me that in the new year when I'm all full of resolutions. <laughs> if I ask you to do that, then you're going to say, well, why don't you go for a swim in LA? So, oh, no, I wouldn't ask you to do that, Adam. Don't, don't worry. I um, wild swimming is definitely not for everybody. It's dirty swimming. <laughs> well, I wouldn't swim anywhere that's super dirty, but yeah, it's not for you the... Go, more, like, if you go indoors, I don't like it because then you've got other people spitting the water. If you go outdoors, you've got all the muck, you've got dog dirt that's being washed in there, There's all sorts of dirty stuff. I don't fancy going for a swim. I suppose in both cases you have to go for a good shower afterwards, yeah? Yes. Yeah, there's very few crystal clear lakes you can swim in in the West Yorkshire that's area. True. Although I find that if I do a slow run now because I've got so used to running, I don't actually sweat as much. Ooh. But I do sweat a lot if I take it in tens. But if I just take it steady... I don't actually sweat that much because it actually feels quite comfortable doing it. That's the part of exercise I hate, the actual sweating and heating. I do as well, but like I say, because I'm so used to it now, it just doesn't actually feel very intense if I do it steady. So practice makes better. But if I go on that exercise bike and I go very fast on that, I do sweat. I sweat a lot more from that exercise bike downstairs than I do from my running from the lane I'm missing my cycling a lot lately. I rode on a bike at work in my cycling club earlier this week and I thought, wow, I really miss this. Yeah. I need to do it much more. I'm not sure if it's accurate, but on the exercise bike, I can get that one over 20 miles per hour. Wow, so, on flat, that's pretty good going. Yeah. Nice work, Adam. So we have not as much news as we usually break this week no. because um, you and I had a couple of articles in common, didn't we? We had two in common, actually, which is why we haven't got very much news. But we've still managed to break some this week. I was struggling to find news, and then I remembered, oh, there's been the by-election. Like I say, I've been working as well. But yeah, there's been the by-election as well, so I ended up adding that to the end. But I think you've probably got the most major news and probably the most shocking news of the week. Yeah. And first of all, I don't blame you, Adam, because, you know, you've had enough stuff on your plate. Yes. I might have more news for you next week, though. Well, we'll see what the news brings. Before we do go into it, our email inbox this week did have something in it. 
an advert for dog food. So if you've got something else to say other than buy dog food, please email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com and we'd love to share your opinions, views, or take on board your suggestions. Ready to crack in, Adam? Definitely. So I'm loading up here on my phone the BBC News website because this news story it has broken so incredibly quickly. When I went to bed last night, um, things were as they were, and then when I woke up in the morning the Israel-Palestine conflict had hit off again in a big way, and I'm sure it's going to carry on hitting off. I, I don't think tensions had fully eased before. That's probably why. No, it's always something that's underlying. This is like part 245 of the Israel-Palestine conflict, and I've said before on this podcast, I don't think it will finish until one of these two sides is wiped out. So the latest state of play, according to the BBC website, on today, the 7th of October 2023, at 20 past 7pm, is that dozens of Israelis are believed to have been captured by Palestinian militants in an unprecedented assault into Israeli territory. We are at war, says Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. At least 150 people in Israel have been killed, and more than 1,100 are being treated in hospitals, according to emergency services. That figure's kind of doubled in the last half hour. When I first looked at this, it was at least 70 people, and now it's gone up to 150, so that death toll is probably going to be even higher by the time this goes out. There might be more attacks as well by the time this goes out, who knows? Well, more than 230 people on the other side have been killed in retaliatory Israeli strikes in the Gaza Strip, officials there say. So Tel Aviv and other central cities were hit by a new barrage of rockets launched on Saturday evening. And Hamas commander Mohammed Daif says the Palestinian militant group had decided to say enough is enough. What do you think, Adam? Again, we see the Muslims attacking the Jews. It's not good, is it? Well, these are two... Sides that are largely motivated by religion, and it's horrible to see religious conflict happening so often, and horrible to see it coming back, and it's such a shame that peace can't be found. I'm having to be very careful what I say here, because both sides, I think, are right to feel aggrieved, but both sides have done things that are right and and things that are wrong. It's a very sensitive conflict, but I do think both sides are seem just determined to fight. And they been... do, but like I said, the Hamas group have been condemned by international leaders. And they've struck the first blow this time. Yes. And it's had a very strong reaction here in this country. Already there's been huge demonstrations in London invoking the freedom of Palestine which is a, a very lofty and complicated goal to and achieve. This Hamas group, it's an extremist group. It's actually a banned terrorist group in the UK. So it is actually, terrorist groups actually illegal in the UK anywhere. But like I said, there will be people here that support the group as well. It isn't unfair to say that the Israelis have committed some great atrocities. But I think both sides have, and that's the trouble. They're both absolutely determined to destroy one another. Well, yeah, yeah, but this conflict seems to be going on and off, doesn't it? Because they've agreed peace, but then it suddenly starts firing back up again. Yeah, and this isn't the first time on our podcast we've had conflict with Israel and Palestine. I think it's probably about the third time. 
Yes. And there'll probably be a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. <laughs> we'll probably keep covering it again and again and again and being like, well, when's this going to stop? But the trouble is, they'll probably start it and do the odd attack until they've run out of weapons, and then once they've run out of weapons, etc., they'll pause, they'll recover, and then they'll fire it all off again. It's a conflict that's lasted centuries, and it will probably last for many years more. Unfortunately, yes. But the UK doing any better? Well, let's speak about Sunak's speech. So Richie Sunak, the Conservative Party leader, announced a radical agenda in his first conference speech aiming to win the next election. The plans included gradually banning cigarette sales, replacing A-levels and T-levels, with a new qualification called the Advanced British Standard and cancelling the second phase of HS2. Sunak emphasised the need for change in the political system and urged a shift from the 30-year status quo involving Margaret Thatcher. He criticised the lack of effective politics and outlined a vision for a brighter future, emphasising bold decision-making. However, the proposals faced backlash and varying opinions from within and outside the party. Sunak compared himself to Thatcher and positioned the Tories as a party of change against a backdrop of past government shortcomings. A general election is anticipated in autumn 2024. So this was just an article, I think, from The Telegraph, which has been heavily shortened by ChatGPT. And it put out the part that obviously there is quite a lot of investment in the north about this, a lot of investment in rail lines, tram lines, a new station in Bradford. So there's a lot of stuff for the north, but obviously at the expense of that, the second phase of HS2 is being cancelled. What did you make? I'll start with the HS2 cancellation. Good. It's been a long time coming. It should have happened years and years and years ago. And if Rishi really did want to make an impact and seem sincere about this, he would have announced this cancellation as soon as he became Prime Minister. But it's taken him this long to decide it. If it's such an easy decision, Rishi, why did it take you until now? That's very disappointing. At least it will mean that the money will be invested on wiser things. But to be honest, I think there's very few things that would have been less wise than spending it on HS2. So anything that they do with it now is going to be good in comparison. Yeah, so probably better. But the trouble is, they've started a really big project here and now all the first fairs, there's not an awful lot of points for the first fairs by the sounds of it anyway. That's it. I would have given Rishi credit for this if he'd have cancelled this nonsense as soon as he came to power, but he didn't. He's waited until now. So it's a bit meaningless to me, and it's a bit of an easy decision, really. A dead donkey could have probably realised that HS2 was a colossal waste of money. Yeah, and it does appear that it's a waste of money. Do you think the stuff that the money's going to be spent on in the north will be better? Do we really need a new station in Bradford? We've already got two stations. I think it's a bit strange that yeah Bradford would need a third railway station why can't we just merge the two that we've got maybe that would be more expensive but I don't understand how they're gonna 
most play another set of railway lines through Bradford. Well, this is the thing. Most city centres would only have one rail station in the city centre anywhere. So having three railway centres actually in the city centre, directly in the city centre, is very, very odd. I know London, that's a mega city, so that has loads more, but normal cities like Bradford, I think Leeds has only got one in the city centre and we're going to have three. And how long is this development going to take as well? And what's it going to do to Bradford Centre as well? I mean, right now, Bradford Centre is barely accessible. There's so So much work going on. It's going to just make it easier for people to get out of Bradford. By the time the current set of roadworks ends, it'll probably be the start of 2025 if everything gets done to schedule. And then we might only enjoy, say, one or two years of being able to access the city centre before they start building a new station. (laughs) So Bradford City Centre is going to continue to deteriorate just for a new rail line. Do you still go into the city centre much? I heard you've started going a different route now, haven't you, I believe? Yeah, I have to, because I can't get to work on time going near Bradford City Centre. So you're not even going to look at it now and see what the... I've attempted to go through a couple of times, but the queues are just so horrendous on my sat-nav. I just find a different route. There's yeah, no point. As well. Until it's actually done. But I have heard rumours, I'm not sure, because I haven't actually been in a large room past part of it briefly, but not the actual where that issue were. But I heard that they've uh, changed the way the one-way system goes. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But yep. I guess, have the Yep. Have you been through that then? No, I've avoided that like yeah. the plague. Oh, so you, you can't actually say that for sure, but you've only just... Oh, no, I have because colleagues have told me about it, and I've seen the road that's been changed. So they just swapped them around then? Yeah. What was the point of that? It's to create a diversion for the roadworks, but it doesn't work because it just confuses people, and that makes more traffic. Yeah, so it's all silly then. Because all it takes is one person to not know about the change or miss their lane, and if that person panics and blocks the road, it slows everyone else but down pe- massively. Pe- but people voted the vote. But, yes, like I say, everyone was voting based on the national issues, but the local issues are much worse in the Bradford, in my opinion. There were comments from some MPs, well, one MP, who got into a bit of trouble after saying something like, it will be good that you can leave Bradford quicker. Or, or was it something like, who'd want to go to Bradford yeah. in 30 minutes? <laughs> and I suppose that's true. But it's one of those things, or I, I think you shouldn't really diss Bradford unless you're in Bradford. <laughs> but it was Lee Anderson, wasn't it, the MP? Was it? Yeah, and he's the MP that's against immigration, etc. So he probably doesn't like Bradford because of the high levels of immigration coming to it. But Philip Davis, the Shipley MP, he defended him and said that it was just a joke. I can't remember what he said, but yeah, he mentioned that it was a joke. But like I said, Lee Anderson says things as they are, and I think he's a good MP for doing that. So by the time I'm 50, maybe I will be able to go into Bradford Town Centre, which will take me about half an hour. Go to whatever the new train station is. Wakefield Road, by the sounds of it. (laughs) Wait for the train, which will probably be delayed, so 10, 15 minutes. Then I'll get to Manchester in half an hour on this train, maybe. So realistically, from my house to Manchester will take an hour. Or I could nip in my car and go down the M606 and be there in 40 minutes flat. It's still an easy choice, isn't it? 
Yes, clearly, yeah. I'll uh, be better for the people that don't drive, but like, it's or only shaving who... off about 10 minutes of time anyway. Or better for people who live in the city centre, I suppose. Yeah. Which will be more and more because, let's face it, no one's using it for shopping. That's true, yeah, and it's all going to be just turned into flats and accommodations, so. Yeah, let's be honest, yeah, it will get more and more, but like I say, where this rail station is, if it is located at the bottom of Wakefield Road, some of the parts have suggested before in the Telegraph, and I guess that's where Susan Hinscliffe wants it, then it's going to be quite a way out of Bradford anyway, so it's going to be a bit pointless. And that will eliminate my handy shortcut home along Wakefield's Road. Possibly, oh. well, it depends where it goes, whether they make a bridge or whatever, but... Like I say, I'm guessing you don't want train lines near your house, do you? I'm not too bothered. I've got pretty much everything else near my house. I've got the motorway near my house. I've got roads near my house. I've got other houses near my house. I've got supermarkets. My area's turned into a veritable 15-minute city. Hooray! <laughs> well, that's true. The motorway was there when you built it anyway, wasn't it? So you chose to live there, so that's your choice. Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. I can get out of here pretty quickly, even if the 15-minute city can conspiracy theory is true it's going to be quite easy for me to beat that being so close to the motorway unless they start charging to go on the motorway which do you think they'll do perhaps it all depends on what happens at the next election Labour get in there's a better chance of that happening you know if Labour win power at general election allowing all these 15 minute blocks to go ahead which I think they will with the guff that Sunak is spouting here it's stuff that sounds good on the surface but again once you drill into it it's not actually that promising. For example, his promise on cigarettes sounds like really good, and, and it is common sense. Start to slowly ban smoking year by year. But what Sunak fails to mention in his speech, which he knows because he talks about it later on, is the kids aren't smoking anymore. Smoking's for granddads. The kids are all vaping. And he said that in his speech two minutes later, and he taught some fluff about all discouraging marketing of vapes to children but as long as they're making vapes in sweetie flavors and they're disposable kids are going to be getting hold of them he knows that one in five children he said have tried vapes but but he didn't go out and out say so i'm banning disposable vapes from today did he which is what a good leader should do someone who actually has some gumption behind them no He's looking at cigarettes instead, which I'd say probably only about 1% of the population smoke anymore. Well, they've been replaced by vapes at the rapid level. The other thing that he came out with as well is, oh, we love teachers and education's so important, blah, blah, blah. They always say education's important because they know it, it, it's true, it is. It's an easy thing to say. But we're going to support education by giving teachers... Again, it's a bonus, isn't it? A bonus, not a pay rise, not actually showing that they value teachers, a bonus that they can attach to certain criteria and that they can take away. They're not actually increasing teachers' pay properly like they should. That's true, yeah. So all in all, out of a score of 10, 10 being the highest, 0 being the lowest, what do you rate, Richard, to next speech? For style... I'd give it eight or nine. Let's call it eight and a half. Very confident, great delivery. I think he'll do well in the debates. He was very good at bashing Labour. And everything he said to bash Labour is true. But, you know, the only time politicians tell the truth is when they're calling each other liars. But for actual substance, four. Fair enough. Yourself? I, I, like I said, I didn't actually watch it because I was working at the time. 
I thought from the stuff that I heard, I thought it was quite decent, so I probably, yeah, overall probably rate about 8 or 9. So, yeah, like I said, I thought it was quite good, but I still thought, obviously, yeah, there is a bit of wasted money as well. And it's the Labour Party's turn this week, isn't it? Because it's yeah, their conference. Yeah, and Keir Starmer already been speaking today from the stuff that I've heard. If he has, it's been drowned out in my news feed by all the Israel-Palestine stuff. Yeah, because I saw a speech on the show a and I can't remember what we're talking about. But like I say, Keir Starmer's now got to make policies. If he doesn't make policies, how's he going to cope through the debates? And Rishi Sunak is ready for him on things like social issues. One of Rishi's strongest moments in his speech was when he was saying, you know, women are women, men are men, we need to get rid of all of this nonsense. It seems to be going for the migration crisis. He seems to be talking tough on that and strongly on that. But we know that's all talk. But he is actually meeting the Italian Prime Minister. He seems Ooh. to be talking with, to them and Ooh. trying to take action there. Whether they saw it, they're both been failing though. So. Ooh, he's meeting the Italian Prime Minister. Oh, well, those boats will be stopped tomorrow. Sorry, I'm being sarcastic. Because <laughs> you see what Italy's like. Italy's had lots coming across. I don't know that much about Italy, but I don't see how... Italy's the the brothers of Italy. That woman that's in the brothers of Italy party, the so-called far-right party, that the BBC have been dumbing it and they've been getting more and more butts since she's been there. Look at how well the Rwanda plan has worked out. So, like I say, do you see any end in sight to this? No. Do you reckon if someone like Farage got into your CNN insight to it? You mean like if Farage took over the Conservative Party and completely changed it in the space of nine months? Do you, do you oh. see a change if he got in? Oh, yeah. But that's very, very pie-in-the-sky miraculous thinking, and I think that's what it's going to take for the Conservative Party but to win. Reform are digging and doing some threats to try and alter the Conservative Party. They're trying to gain support like they did with the Brexit Party. They'll probably may stand aside at the next general election, who knows, you know, to prevent Labour getting in, cause that's what they did with the Brexit Party. They stood aside loads of seats so that they divided splitting the vote, and that's why... Boris got a, a big landslide majority, but like I say, they've been rebranding it to put like a threat to Richie Sunak. So now, because it says reform you in the logo, it also says Brexit Party before because they're concerned that not a lot of people know what Reform UK is because it's not getting talked about on a lot of the mainstream media, so they're trying to brand it because people know what the Brexit Party is, so we'll have to see how that works. Well, I know in the next election there's no way I'm voting for the Conservative Party, but every other party, as far as I'm concerned, my vote is up for grabs. So even the Green Party's up for grabs then. The one that brings out <laughs> loads of work nonsense and environmental policies. They'd have to come up with something pretty spectacular. <laughs> really, really spectacular. But I'm certainly more likely to vote for them than the Conservatives, let me put it that way. Well, I could say that I wouldn't vote Labour. I definitely wouldn't vote Lib Dems and definitely wouldn't vote Greens. Now, Conservatives and Reform, I'd keep my options open to those. But like I say at the moment, I'm in the Conservative mm. Party, so I will be voting them. 
But like I say, I definitely wouldn't be voting any of the other parties. See, I've reached the point with the Lib Dems where I'm willing to forgive and forget if they impress me. Mm. So you're not sure about Lib Dems then? No. The time before the election and the debates are going to make a massive difference for me. Mm. We'll see. Which party out of the lot would you say you're leaning towards? Right now, reform. Reform, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go for them. Just so Richard Tyson's party, the former Nigel Farage, is one. Although Nigel Farage made the opening speech today for that. I'd vote for reform purely because right now they're the closest thing to voting FU to yeah. the whole political class. Fair enough. And yeah, because like I say, mainstream media, they only ever talk about Conservatives, Labour, Lib Dems and Greens. And Labour have had a win this week, as you mentioned, Adam. Yes, they have. So Labour's Michael Shanks has won the Rufford Glen and Hamilton West by-election, securing 17,845 votes, twice the number of SNP's Katie Lowden. This marked a 20.4% swing from SNP to Labour. The by-election followed the removal of former SNP MP Margaret Ferrier for COVID rule violations. Labour leader Sakia Starmer celebrated the victory as a turning point in regaining trust in Scotland after years of effort. SNP leader Humzil Youssef acknowledged the challenge and emphasised the need to regain trust. Turnout was 37.19%, a significant drop from the previous general election, with Labour's vote up by 24.1%. The Conservative vote decreased by 11%, with tactical voting impacting the results. Professor John Curtis termed it a notable result for Labour, indicating a potential shift in the region's political landscape. Constituency has historically shifted between SNP and Labour. In 2015, it was won by the SNP, then reclaimed by Labour in 2017 and retaken by SNP in 2019. Margaret Ferrier's breach of COVID regulations made the seat vulnerable, leading to the by-election. The new voter ID rules were implemented for the first time in this election. What did you make of this election results then, Roger? Doesn't surprise me at all. One of the things Rishi was right about in his speech is that the SNP are finished for the time being. They may rise again after the disastrous end to Sturgeon's reign and Labour are winning over Scotland because there's no way the Scots will vote Tory. The Tory party are pretty much finished in Scotland as well yeah, for well, the time being. In that seat, Conservative Party only got 3.9% of the votes. That many. So it doesn't surprise me and I think it's a, a very small picture of what we're going to get in nine months' time. Yeah, so we're probably going to get, or whenever this election is, who knows, but like I say, Richie probably knows, but like I say, yeah, Labour probably may end up sweeping across Scotland, or a lot of Scotland, the SNP will probably lose a lot of it, and the party might, well, I don't know uh, whether it'll be wiped out or not by Labour, but yeah, I think Labour are going to make big gains in Scotland, which is probably better than the SNP, let's be honest, I don't like the SNP at all. (laughs) I heard a prediction on, I think it was talk radio actually this week, where somebody predicted 
that the Labour victory in the next election will be the biggest in history, even bigger than when Tony Blair defeated John Major. And I'm wondering if I fancy echoing that prediction in the new year when we make our predictions. I'm not so sure. I still remain confident that Richard Sunak may be able to claw back some of his votes, although I'm starting to lose hope, but I think he'll claim back some support, so I don't think it'll be as big as Tony Blair. But I think Labour may may make it to a majority of terms. It could be a hung parliament. But like I say, if they win over Scotland as well, they probably will get a majority. So, yeah, they probably won't need to team up with anyone else if they take seats over Scotland, which I think they will do because Hugh Youssef, he's only bothered about this woke nonsense stuff. So can't see him being very popular by the next election. Although I do think, in a crazy way, a swing to Labour is probably going to be actually quite bad for Scotland because one of the things that the SNP had that made it very powerful was always the undercurrent of, if we don't get our way, we are going to push for independence. And that's a very powerful threat that Scotland can make. And that's why people in Scotland do get certain privileges that the people in England don't, like the free prescriptions and things. And that that is true in Scotland. That might actually bring some more people back towards the SNP because when the debates come on and they realise Conservatives are against independence but Labour are more for it, uh, yeah, they, they may end up trying to vote Conservatives out. But then, like I say, if they know Labour's more for independence, then they might vote Labour. But I guess it all depends on where Keir Starmer's stance is as to who they vote for. So I guess uh, Scotland's probably all for grabs, but Labour probably got a better chance of winning seats, haven't they? I think Scotland are going to swing heavily to Labour, and then when they see that that's actually not very favourable for them, the SNP will be able to have a comeback in four or five years' time. Yeah, the only thing about it, though, if the SNP lose so many seats that they're practically wiped out because the only campaign in Scotland... Say, for example, they lost all their seats, then they would have no income coming into the party other than donations and voters, and then it's going to make it very hard with a growing population for them to get back in. So then it's probably going to swing back from Labour to Conservatives, and I think the SNP will struggle to regain if they get completely wiped out. That's just my personal opinion, but I could be right, I could be wrong. I think it's a good conjecture there, Adam. This country is becoming a two-party system. I don't know if you agree with me, but I think it is. It seems we're losing choice in pretty much every area of our lives at the moment, Adam. That's the reason why I think the SNP may wipe themselves out and then, yeah, it's probably going to swing between Labour and Conservatives in future elections, I reckon. Politics is no exception. I'm going to move on to a final article if that's all right. Yeah. Because as I was scouring through the BBC News website, I noticed today that the number one article most read wasn't actually the Israel-Palestine conflict. People are probably fed up with it because it's happened so many times, but they were more about the Russia stuff, weren't they? So I thought, what's getting more clicks than this? And it turns out that it is Steve Coogan, who's taking on the role of Jimmy Savile, a notorious paedophile and sex offender, for those of you listening internationally who may not know, in a new TV drama called The Reckoning. 
The drama follows Saville's successful career as a TV presenter and radio DJ, delving into his sexual abuse, which came to light only after his death in 2011. Saville used his celebrity status to prey on hundreds of people, particularly minors, and managed to avoid accountability during his lifetime. The drama examines why he was never held responsible for his actions, spreading light on his charismatic facade and the institutions that failed to address the allegations against him including the BBC. The series includes testimonies from real-life victims and aims to educate viewers about how such abuse occurs and prevent similar cases in the future. While some have criticised the drama for not being critical enough of the BBC, the producers emphasise its purpose of unravelling how Saville operated and the complicity that allowed him to continue his predatory behaviour. The series is set to be released on the BBC... (laughs) on their iPlayer and BBC One. What do you think, Adam? Well, it doesn't interest me. When Jimmy Savile was in the news, I wasn't actually as interested in the news back then. I'm sure a lot of people still remember him where he Peter. Oh, yeah, an absolute scumbag. Yeah. But what bothers me the most about this is it's the BBC who are doing this, the BBC who are cashing in and making this preaching drama about the bloke that they enabled. This is like Hitler making a documentary about World War Two. It's like Kim Jong-un making a documentary about how great North Korea is. It's like Putin making a documentary about Ukraine. It's just utterly baffling and shows that the BBC are keen to just whitewash this and present it in their own way. And it's a disgusting use of licence money and shame on them for playing this out and useful things that they could focus on. Other documentaries have done this probably way better Mm. There's already plenty of details out about Jimmy Savile. We know the failings that took place. The BBC just want to generate those clicks and whitewash this history and present it in their own ways. They want to take ownership of it. This is what I mean about the licence fee. We're paying them money to make documentaries that most people probably won't watch anyway. And the BBC and the entertainment industry haven't learned a thing anyway. There's still cover-ups, there's still scandals, and there still will be in the future. Yes, and more stuff will come out about this, but more stuff will come out about other stuff as well. So, yeah, I'm sure this hasn't come to an end yet, and more corruption will come out of the BBC as it comes out of other channels like GB News, for example, which a lot of corruption seems to come out of, although it's not necessarily corruption. It's breaking Ofcom rules, probably because of this, they things how they are. Well, they haven't come out as anything this bad, have they? No, that's true. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's corruption all across the media industry. And if the BBC can't be brought down by things like this, but GB News can be brought down by a few hurty words and naughty opinions, then that is a real shame. I'm not saying take down the BBC. I quite like a few very select parts of the BBC. But I think as Rishi Sunak is going through a phase of trying to say sensible, common sense things at the moment, he might be looking at announcing a change or a freeze or doing something with the licence fee. And he'd be very smart to do so, especially in the light of articles like this. Yeah, because public opinion actually supports the removal of the licence fee. So that would probably be quite a sensible idea, I think. But he probably won't do it. I do think he'll get quite a lot of support by doing it, to be honest. Well, I hope that we've provided enough information and entertainment to you this evening or whenever you're listening to this. 
I have noticed over the last couple of days a, a little bump, not quite a spike, but a little hillock in our download figure. So whoever you are downloading us and getting those extra listens, thank you. And if you want to join in, breakthenewspod at gmail.com. Drop us an email. Definitely. And Joe will be back next week. Uh, like I say, I think my week's probably I'm going to have to apply for other jobs because I don't want to be leaving a massive gap in my career. So yeah, that's my week started. And I will get out for some runs as well. So like I say, I'll just have to see how well I do next week at the park run. I ain't decided which one I'm going to next week. Obviously, this may be a bit unfair on you because I've probably got a better idea than you, but which park run do you reckon I'll go to next week? You recently, you've done Horton. Salter? Um, possibly. It all depends on what my dad wants as well. But like I said, yeah, we haven't discussed it, but it will probably be one of those ones over the other side of Bradford because I'll probably be visiting my mum's because we usually do that alternate weeks so yeah probably will be either Roberts Lister Myrtle or Cliff Castle I don't think we'll do Lister because we've done that recently so yeah it'll probably be one of those three so you might even be right because we haven't been that long mm. for a while well it's head down for me especially these next few months because it's an expensive time Halloween then bonfire night and then the big one Christmas. I've already bought my daughters their advent calendars ready for Christmas. So we're just saving up for that now and trying not to do much. But I might go for a walk tomorrow. I'm hoping to check out one of the reservoirs near Huddersfield and find some nice walks around there mm. and maybe a wild swimming spot for October. Are you going to walk to Huddersfield? I might. <laughs> M606 all the way, baby. You don't have to walk on the motorway, though. No. You're not allowed to walk on the motorway. <laughs> I mean, you can walk there, but you'd have to walk another way. I like to use the car to get to places that would be otherwise pretty much inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Although you could bike it there, but obviously you wouldn't be able to take anyone else if you biked it, would you? So. No, my daughters aren't quite big enough for that yet. Maybe my 12-year-old. She could probably outride me on a bike now. I'm right, so this feels them back. Oh yeah, my 12-year-old could probably make it to Huddersfield and back. We rode to our bikes to Halifax once, and she was only about eight Hall- or nine Halifax then. Halifax and back? Yeah. Good. It must have really tied her out, though. Yeah, but that's the battle you have I, to face every I weekend. I remember uh, a few years ago I did some cycle, we didn't go all the way to Halifax, we went relatively close, and it wasn't quite as fit then, that was during the pandemic, and yeah, even so, it still tired me out kind of thing, so it must have really tired her out. I'd be able to do it probably very easily now, but yeah. To be honest, though, as a parent, you have to tire your kids out, because if you just have them at home, it's a nightmare, so you might as well just take them out and do something and get them tired so I try to take my girls out every other weekend you know give their mum a chance one week and then can give my wife a rest the next week so hopefully tomorrow my wife can enjoy her rest yes she will be able to and you'll be able to enjoy yours because like I say I ain't got anything on this week so I'll edit this and hopefully all the recordings have worked and this sounds good this week dear listener Yes, in future, when I'm running it by myself, I might best put in a pair of headphones in and get my mic out, because otherwise you'll just sound echoey, because obviously it echoes through the screen. And I need to double-check my recorders are working. All right, all the best, everyone. Take care and have a great week. And email us at breakthenewspod at gmail.com, and be sure to share with your family and friends. Bye. If you've got any. <laughs> Bye-bye.